Welcome to Stop Back and Roll, a podcast about putting the training wheels back on that bicycle that is your role-playing game. I'm James. And I'm Brandon. Today we'll be talking about onboarding players, reading PBTA books, and a very surprising 1980s RPG. Well, that was the best introduction we've ever done. I'm going to go ahead and say that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. We haven't recorded it yet, technically. No. Just, uh, it will be the, the curtain. It will have been the best. Yeah. <laughs> the funniest jokes. Definitely. Definitely. I just would like to thank Brandon and James from years and years ago for deciding that our podcast needs to have a funny joke at the beginning and a funny joke at the end and then a bunch of content in between it. Yep. Uh, brilliant guys. I think that's a podcast. <laughs> I think that's the definition of a podcast. Oh, is a joke in the beginning, joke at the end, and then some content in the middle? Oh, God, I think you're technically right. Nah, don't love it. <laughs> that's, that's the medium. All right. But we didn't get here to <laughs> talk, talk about us. We came we? here to talk. No, we came here to talk about games. Okay. If we have yeah. to. Yeah, we do. It's in the contract. Of course, the contract. Yes. How can I the contract? The ca- capital capital T, capital C. Uh you yes. can't actually buy a microphone without signing the contract. Um yeah. yeah. With some That's behind the thing. scenes podcasting, uh just a little bit more of it. Yeah. We're gonna do two two truths and a lie of uh of podcasting behind the scenes. One, we do we record our intro at the end. Two, I'm happy that we have required ourselves to have jokes well, and the three oh you sign up c- contractually happy actually <laughs> contractually happy yeah so, anyway you, you told me that you had, a, you had something you wanted to talk about <laughs> with uh pbta yeah games. i think we're gonna and, do uh, kind of like a i think we're gonna do t- kind of a two topic double topic uh, kind of thing double topic kind of day because i have I, I at least have a half a half a topic we'll see we'll see cool 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 um so, I, yeah, because I don't, I, <laughs> I don't know how much I have to say about it, but I have a little bit of a topic. Um, and okay. so it can't this some, this thought. I'm going to walk you through this journey that I went on. Um, OK, there was a little bit of of drama um, on tabletop Reddit. I think it came out of um, okay. where there was a topic who, who was where someone had basically asked the question, hey, like everyone always says, like there are. The thing about D&D is that there are just like large parts of it that you can just eject or swap out and like it'll it won't it doesn't affect the gameplay like nobody uses yeah. grappling mechanics or you can just swap out um, whatever like you can swap out the spell system yeah. for a different spell system and it doesn't change the game fundamentally too much um, yeah. or you can just ignore you can use a map or you can not use a map like that kind of stuff. Um, and were there other game systems that were like that where you could drop stuff? And one okay. of the one of the more popular responses was someone who was kind of saying, not kind of saying, they were they were specifically saying that um, PBTA games were the opposite. Uh, in that, okay, you, okay, you, you had they had to be played fully rules as written, and you couldn't drop any part of the rule system without having the whole thing crumble and fall apart. 
and it became a little bit of drama because they were clear they were the tone with which they 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 said it was a little bit like those high and mighty indie gamers think their powered by the apocalypse oh. games are so good <laughs> but you have to play all the rules or the whole thing falls apart um, that that's actually the thing about professional sports teams mm-hmm. is they're so high and mighty playing by all the rules. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, yeah. <laughs> so without getting into the drama that that's, I was thinking about that and I was, and, and I, and I didn't disagree, but I was, th- I, I disagreed. I think there are definitely PPTA games you can remove rules from, um, but it was something that was on my mind. And ooh, ooh, I'm excited because I'm starting to feel like we're going to have opposite kinds of opinions on this. And I so then later I was playing uh, I was I was I was recording for a podcast. Uh, so if you're interested in if, if you're the kind of person who's listening to this podcast and <laughs> uh, and you would like to hear me on another podcast playing masks, I don't know how no, much of our audience is interested in hearing me kinda play masks. Out of luck on that. Um, yeah, probably, probably no not, a, not too many people, but if there's even one or two of you, um, I'm going to be in, a, in an upcoming episode of team up moves, which is a, uh, kind of, um, it's a, it's a, it's an interesting, it's an interestingly hard, <laughs> it's apparently it's a hard, conver- <laughs> it's a podcast to pitch. It's a, it's a superhero games podcast where they, we, the, the, the two hosts, uh, play superhero games with, with guests. Um, and every week they play or every other every like session they play with different hosts or a different with different guests in a different system to kind of explore yeah. the different ways that different superhero systems play. Um, but they do it all in the same setting. And so they use the different games to build out more of the story of their world. Um, it's and a they super do- cool podcast. I, I, I am also familiar with it. I've only listened to a little bit of it so far. Yeah. Uh, but but I was like. James has got this description and then sort of going like, <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure no. I can describe. It. And I was like, oh, <laughs> but one of the things that I do like is that they have a they have like an A episode, which is the AP part. And then they have a B yeah. episode with the back issue where they talk with the hosts and 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 about the system, uh, the hosts and guests about the system. Um, and so we spent a little bit of time talking about masks. And one of the things that came up is like. There are just parts of masks that nobody uses when they run. Like almost <laughs> nobody GMs masks using the GM rules about like uh, having NPCs that have conditions, uh, or they do a little bit, but sometimes, but you, but often they break break from that okay, mold. Okay. Um, and so it got, and so that and the PBTA like rules is written in its entirety thing got me thinking about games that have training wheels. Because okay, there are because so I guess to kind of tie that all back together, I'll tell you my position, which is that I do think that there are a lot of PBTA games that you can dump rules from, like masks, for example. I think you don't lose much if you dump the the rules for running villains. Okay, I do think they are helpful when you are starting to play the game. I think that if you go through and you play them rules as written, then you will tell interesting stories and they will help you do that by guiding you in the right direction. But once you get to the point where you know how to ride the bike, and you don't need the training wheels anymore. You can tell just as good stories, if not better stories without those training wheels. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I half I, I half agree. 
that is that is i think a complicated specific one mm-hmm. because the, with the villains i think that eliminating writing down the conditions ahead of time and eliminate and like just making kind of deciding based on vibes what their current status is doesn't hurt the game yeah that's what i'm talking about but writing not writing down moves for them or not making moves when they mark conditions yeah i think if you cut that the game's like crash to a halt stops working uh, yeah i disagree with that i mean i've done it so <laughs> and i know that it works <laughs> uh, from experience i mean i mean but okay i'm not trying to i'm not trying to fight you but yes, but, but, but did but, it work? Yeah, <laughs> or I mean, did I, that I, I not agree. work like, and make it worse? I think there's there's like there's 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 degrees. Like, do I think you should pre-write villain moves? Yes, I think that is useful. Yeah. Like, if they have specific effects or specific things totally. they can trigger, yes. Um, but like the like when you ha- when a villain takes a hit, having them do one of the specific responses from the list of conditions, like I think that once you get a sense of what they are literally doing one of those things like not or like not literally doing one of those things but doing one of something that's in the right like the right vibe the right the right genre you can do that without literally using the sheet okay i think i thought you were saying that having villains not make a move when they mark a condition is okay and i think that that's i think this is really where it gets like with pbta like pbta specifically um but plenty of other games as well You've got kind of like your load bearing rules and your non load bearing rules, you know, like does when an NPC marks a condition, do you need to pull from the list that is connected to that condition? I don't think so. When an NPC, when a NPC marks a condition, do you need to make a GM move? I think in order for masks to work fundamentally, yes, they need to make yeah. a move of yeah. some kind. You know, I just I've played so many games of masks where like the the thing that happened it or like so like the rules as written in masks is that that masks villains have conditions and that they mark those conditions when people make successful uh directly engage roles yeah but in real in real like teen superhero fiction and in most games of masks that i've run are a lot of them involve the heroes stopping the villain by changing the environment or by communicating with them or doing things that wouldn't necessarily cause them to mark a condition. Totally. So just sort of understanding that like the players are going to do things. You should have the the villains respond in a way that is genre accurate. And then when the fight is done, because it's, it's thematically done, call it. Okay. Okay. I I think that that's still like, I I think that still is, two separate like two kind of separate rules you know like because i don't think that the game does assume that you have to punch punch them until they have all their emotions filled in order for the game to end over further for a fight to end yeah so like like there are definitely there are some like side rules that say hey you can have a, condi- a villain marker condition if you feel it's accurate or like um they can leave or that a condition before. yeah like like a villain doesn't have to fight until their conditions are all full yeah but all that, all that aside, um, 
So you, you were saying that you feel like that it basic that having those rules in place essentially provides like training wheels on how to yeah. GM it. Yeah, and like and I've the other the other game that I've been getting back into is Lancer, which when mm-hmm. you're GMing Lancer, it has a set of guidelines where it says like here's how you should set up combat. Um the combat should be in these like you're using one of these sit reps. And for those sit reps, you're going to you're going to design a map that's kind of like this in this way where that has these objectives and you're going to prep this number of, of NPCs and then you should do this. But the, like once you've kind of gotten a sense of like what makes a good mission in Lancer and, and how to balance combat in a compelling way, then you can break those rules. You can break out of those totally. sit reps. And but they are definitely useful. I, I just got it kind of got me just thinking more about that I think, especially, I think this is more of a, G, a GM thing than a than on the player side, but games that have rules that are there to teach you how to run a game well, but not intended necessarily to uh, to be, like, played to the letter of the rule, like, once you get a good, mm-hmm. good footing around it. Interesting. And I think more games should have explicitly that. Okay, things where it says, like, you know, this is a... This is a thing that you can do that will make things easier the first couple of times. Yeah. And after that, I trust you. Yeah. 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 Like. Interesting. Because um, in a sense, there's kind of just that unwritten. Uh, like, you know. Uh, we talk sometimes about like uh, breaking the warranty. Mm-hmm. Um, and that it's sometimes good to run a game the way it was written the first time. Just to understand how it works. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. But like, I think if you like for another good example is I've been playing Neon Black, which is a Forge in the Dark game. Uh, and one of the things that it does that I, that I really love is that it adds to the Forge in the Dark um, kind of uh, system mechanics is, or system flow is that in adi- so but you, you do your you do your mission, you do your heist and then you have downtime. And at the end of the downtime, there are downtime scenes where you often step outside of your character and do some world building. You introduce an NPC, you focus in on an NPC that's already there and, um, and, and sort of explore their life a little bit more. You step into the, 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 the roles of the villainous uh, corporate CEOs who are attacking your characters. And it sort of defines out a couple scenes and says, run through these. And then when you've done them, like do them all at least once. And once you've done them, if you want to yeah. keep playing, like you don't just either do them again or do something similar or whatever. And like, that's the kind of thing where I could see you putting something like that in Passion um, as a here are what see like here are some scenes. Here are some cutaways. Here are some framing unit like elements around a telenovela that will guide you and teach you how to run a game. But then once you kind of get your footing under you, you don't need to literally do these things. It's extremely funny that you say that because that is something that I've been discussing with Brendan. <laughs> around, like the last time on, kind Pasiones, of hit it. Mm-hmm. But no, like even more so, like I, I think so. I think that when we look at kind of the I'm trying, I'm trying to think through how much I want to say <laughs> on what I'm working on yeah. at the same time that I get to my point. Um, but. I think that in a lot of kind of more traditional games, uh, they have that, right? Like you, uh, 
you get the beginner's box for D&D. You get like, uh, I, I think vampire some, I think I had a vampire book that had a, had like a starting scenario in the back. Um, like, you know, like, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure call of Cthulhu at one point had an adventure in the back and like those modules, those little mini modules are basically that, right? Like it's a quick start going like, how do you hit the ground running? Yeah. And I think that that is a valuable thing to have that a lot of that a lot of indie games don't necessarily have in part just because our games tend to be a little shorter. And and when they you do, know? it tends to be more player focused. Like here's like yeah. our, our like how to learn how to run the game stuff tends to be like, yeah. here's this archetype that you're playing. Here are some things you're going to want to do. Here are some references. And then you get to the GM rules and it's like, here are all the rules for how to mechanically to make the game work. You know, the genre go. <laughs> I don't know. There's um, if you look at PBTA, there's there's all of the like, this is like, you know, this is the agenda. Here's the principles. And that's like, fair. that's not like super like I'm not going to say it's not actionable, it is but it actionable. isn't. I'll say it's not actionable. It is actionable. <laughs> like, like, do like do what your prep tells you to do is. Is a sort of okay. It's definitively it's actionable, but like, what did I prep? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> well, so so it gives you the action that you should that you should make prep. Yeah, it gives you the action in the game that you should act based on that prep. Um, and like you know, I I think that is a <laughs> that is maybe even one of the tougher examples of the things in terms of like using a principle in play, right? Um, but uh. But I, I think you're right that, that having like a really structured here's how we go from point A to point B to point C is something that is I'm not going to say missing because everything exists in the hobby, mm-hmm. but it is kind of I do think it's interesting that we have that we have things like PBTA and things like Blades in the Dark that have gotten playing the game like your introduction to playing the game so tightly focused, like that your character creation is a sheet of paper front and back, if even. And like the flow of the layout tells you what order to go in. Yeah. And brings you through and gets you done. Right. I just opened up urban shadows, the urban shadows, second edition quick start. Yeah. And so like looking at the principles, Display the city from skyscraper to slums. That's pretty actionable because it tells you, like, yeah. set the different scenes in different parts of the city, and if not, describe them. Address yourself to the characters, yeah. not to the players, is a very Extremely fancy actionable. way. Of, yeah, kind of actionable. Um, cloak your Extremely. moves in darkness <laughs> is is like it's uh, the, cloak your cloak your moves in darkness and ad- and address the characters, not the players. Seem like they're fancy ways of saying like don't say them the words <laughs> like. Like, don't say these words, say these other words. Like, address the characters yeah, each, is telling you... Each of you these just, also has a paragraph. Well, uh, yeah, and to be fair, this is the quick start, so... Yeah, I mean, I just mean, like, you know, like, uh, it's easy to judge PBTA... But, like, dirty... Uh, non-fully by just looking at, like, the GM materials, right? Dirty the hands like of, the, you, of all involved is a little bit more... Super actionable. I don't know if that's right? actionable. But, like, you how? don't think so? Like, what? No, because... Make it so that... Make it so that, uh, like, so that nobody is innocent. 
you know? Yeah, how do I make like, how do I make somebody not innocent though? You use your imagination, creativity. Right, yeah, it's just, just think about it. Real, <laughs> like, like that's that's the teaching mechanic is is think about it real hard and imagine it. There's no there's that's no the, that's what games are. <laughs> yeah, but 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 it's different than saying like here's how you set up a, a scenario. Um, use these guidelines. I don't know. It's it's. I, I just mean, like, feels... so like. Remember that all of these also are meant to be done in the context of preparation, right? Like people, PBTA. I can't speak to all PBTA, but most PBTA does does uh, expect some degree of GM prep. Yeah. Um. It's also a system that can run on its own without GM prep, but like dirty the hands of everyone involved is really actionable and useful if you're sitting down and writing the scenario. You know, like it goes, okay, this is the this is the major thing that we're focusing on right now. This this corruption. How do I make sure that all of the people you care about are touched by this corruption? How do I make sure that NPCs that you care about are involved in and deeply invested in this sin, in this badness, you know? So that we don't have uh, Magic Johnny, the power wizard, who does great things all the time, and you know you can trust him, and he's, he's just great. We love that guy. His hands should also be dirty. And so it, like, it, it's a reminder to you to tie multiple people into plots and danger and bad stuff. And if you start having a character that looks squeaky clean and above it, that it's time to drag them down into the worst things of this city and make sure that they, that they are also no better than anyone else. Because you need the villains to be able to look at you and say, like, you know, we're not so different, you and I. <laughs> My sins just show up in the tabloids and yours are hidden in the shadows. Yeah. You know, like... <laughs> yeah. I guess, I guess what I'm kind of feeling like I want more games to not just give like out of context examples or guidance like that, but like something that's more tangible, like like use this kind of a scene to, to fourth do edition encounter builders. Yeah, pretty much is, is what we right <laughs> like fourth edition style encounter building four story games. Yeah, um, like. Like I'm just looking through. I just to pick on a different game. I I opened up the Passion, and like, so I'm scrolling through the the the. I'm looking at this this push them off balance when they get comfortable, and like yeah. this is good stuff. Like the like so you do Thank say you. here like um <laughs> it won't like don't like find when characters are feeling too comfortable. That's a good time to push stuff. That's a good time to make moves. Push on existing relationships and jealousy. Offer them everything that they thought they wanted before they found love. Um, but like. Oh, I love that line. <laughs> that is I'm good. So yeah. I'm, but I'm so but if, full of myself. But, but I if love this that then line. also <laughs> said, and like, okay, here's a way to do this. Take two characters who are feeling uh, comfortable and maybe like set up a scene where they, where a uh, a person comes in and offers them something um, like, tan like, a, like a list of tangible, like, like prep, like pre-prepped scenes they could use. Well, so uh, to push back on that a tiny bit and then yeah. also, Admit that I'm thinking some of the same thing. Uh, the moves are where that happens. Okay. Right? Like the agenda says, keep them uncomfortable. The moves say, 
uh, bring somebody in to do that thing. And like, mm-hmm. I'm not going to say that every move should be able to influence every agenda, but you'd look at something like that, like don't let them get comfortable. Almost every move uh, can support don't let them get comfortable. Um, some of them are a little bit like, you know, make them mark a condition. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, but, then, but like, I guess blah, 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 blah. Maybe, maybe what I'm looking for is something that like that, that connects the moves and principles a little more literally. Like, yeah, like if you had I'm looking so the, the another another one of the principles is draw love with triangles, uh, not lines mm-hmm. uh, or with tangles, not lines. Um, and then if if there was a, in that section for that, um, it then said, OK, and here are some moves that you might want to do, like bring rivals face to face and make a moment romantic. And like, here are the moves that are going to help you achieve that. Yeah. As a way of making it a little bit more of a practical advice. And then this is actually a funny moment that I'm going like, that I'm like trying to remember if that's in the book or not. <laughs> yeah, is it not? I don't. Um, I guess I could scroll back through. I can it it might this. be that it isn't. It would be under. It would be under the agendas, not under the moves. Where's my book? <laughs> I can see in my camera, uh, like 19 copies of the book <laughs> behind my head. I mean, so most of but the, the agendas one that's near me have. I, I think it doesn't. I don't think it does. But I, I do think at one point that, like, as we were writing them out, I do think that we did some of that, like, almost like outline style. Yeah. Thing. They're, I think it, you're right. They're kind of. I'm trying to scroll through. Oh no, some of them are there. So like, make social status matter. One of the basic moves of the game: manipulate superior requires constant assessment of social ser- status. There's a couple places. Um, okay. And making a moment romantic. Um. Yeah, I, there's a little bit of it there. I, I I don't know. Like, I I think it's I think it's it's this this is this is touching on the the thing that we've talked about a lot, which is that like people tend to not read PBTA games, yeah, yeah. and so oh, maybe yeah, a lot exactly. of the stuff that I want is there. But also, I want it. To, I think I want it to be there a little bit more more literally. Like, I literally wanted to say, here are some moves that will help you achieve this. Here are some yeah, scenes yeah. you could set up that might help you achieve this as ways to like help you build because like 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 one of the things that masks does do is it says uh here are how you set up um oh hang on let me mark and then I'll go open it up so I can get the words right PC NPC BC triangles yeah but it's the other thing too okay um ah uh masks has the the section on the PC NPC triangles and also hooks and arcs where it says like mm-hmm. literally like here's how you will build a, a hook find a PC find an NPC they're hooked to and then hook find another way to hook another PC to them or two NPCs to one PC and then like go through and uh, look at a label that assign that 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 defines the character and based off of that label ask this question that is like the question that viewers of the comic readers of the comic will be asking like can this player or can this character um, uh, handle this situation or are they scarier than they are? Like whatever. And then, and then basically says, okay, so if this is, if this is the, the pairing that you're trying, that this is the core um, uh, label um, juxtaposition that is defining that, that PC for you find two NPCs that will define either Mm -hmm. way. Uh, define like that will push them in different directions and so that's it's like cool that's like very ta- <laughs> like tangible stuff 
that like as a more experienced masks GM, I never, I almost never literally do um, yeah. because I just kind of intuit a lot of it. But when I was learning and every time I sort of feel like I'm kind of stagnant as, an, as a GM, yeah. I go back to these things and having this very tangible, here's how you can push a story along stuff is very good. Um, and totally. I, and like, I, I think, I think that, that that can be lost in the fact that it's in the book. Yeah. Um, and like, that is something that, that I've had conversations with, with a whole lot of people of like, you need to have enough in the play materials that people can pick up the play materials and play the game because some percentage and it might be most people are going to do that. Yeah. Um, and like in, in some ways the book is almost like a, like a, like an insurance policy <laughs> that you're like, you know, I, I saw some people like that, uh, like years ago that were like, really going after masks for the fact that their PCs felt really disconnected from each other. Mm -hmm. um, and so like, like they would have an NPC that would only interact with one PC and they, they didn't really have like any relationships between NPCs and PCs. <laughs> They're kind of looking for like, like almost like a PC, NPC, PC triangle. triangle. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's like, like, yeah, that's in the game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's weird because like in one sense like I, like i would expect a game like lancer to have yeah a like a gm sheet that gives me the summary of all the rules um and or like a quick sheet a quick guide for the players to reference um and and then there would be like like character sheets for the different mechs and stuff like that and and i would definitely like and, and i do have those sheets and i definitely run the game based off of that but i would never yeah. for a game like that or for D D expect to pick up the plate like the the character sheets and a quick start like a quick like a, a quick reference and expect yeah. you to learn how to run the game just off and, of those things and but, that is what pbta games are expected to do yeah because like if you think about it like we're talking about like the GM sheet is a is like a GM screen. Like yeah. that's the amount of content that's on there, right? It's some names, it's some it's like the names of some moves with no further explanation. And like like that's basically what it is, right? It's like a GM screen that it tells you like, you know, this is what dark vision's distance is. Yeah. Uh but someone sitting down to run D&D &D with blank character sheets and the GM screen would very quickly realize that they can't run the game without the book. Yeah. Because a blank character sheet does not tell the player anything they can do. And so like the player would look at the character sheet and go, okay, I have blanks. I don't know how to fill them in with PBTA and like with uh, blades in the dark. Sometimes uh, you've got a character sheet. You can fill in the entire sheet without touching the book. And the GM sheet doesn't have anything to fill in. So it really looks like you got everything, yeah. right? Like and you I, have no blanks that are like big question marks. I wonder how much of that is an artifact of early game PBTA or indie game designers seeing that that tra the traditional games like D&D &D and Pathfinder and, and stuff were building these GM sheets 
and going, oh, hey, we like these were maybe they were all put by put together by third parties, but we can do this first party. Our games mm-hmm. are pretty tight. We can put a lot of this information on here and then it'll make it easier to play. And I wonder if how much of a disservice that did by setting the by to the to the the genre of uh, if you call it a genre of game um, by establishing that that was a thing that PPTA games were going to have. Like if we had just n- if people had just not made a quick like a GM sheet for Apocalypse World. Well, I, I think we almost have a. I think we, we almost have a case study. That shows. That that tests this because uh, the only game I can think of that you can't make your character like be done with your PC sheet before playing with without touching the like literally without touching the book that's a PPTA game is Dungeon World. Um in Dungeon World you need to know what the modifiers do. Mm-hmm. And I think it's been a while since I played Dungeon World. I think that the modifiers are not on the character sheet. Mm. Which means you need to open up the book to figure out or go to like a wiki SRD or whatever to figure out what your stats are. Okay. No, I'm wrong. Even that that actually has assigned these scores to your stats. 16 plus 2, 15 plus 1, 13 plus 1, 12 minus 1. Because what I was going to say, I, I do. I still think that even with that printed on there, mm-hmm. that is a little archaic and difficult to understand. Because it's like, just like, assign these stats and it has like multiple things and like you, you need to have knowledge of D&D. But Dungeon World is also the only PBTA game that I know of that has the book and somebody who put together a, so you don't want to read the book, here's a PDF that's a quarter of the pages. And so I, I think that the desire to play the game without touching the book is really strong. And I think part of that is like, you know, like wanting games to be quick pick up things as opposed well, to like but, the catalog but, style of game. But again, like th- I think there's a distinction to be made between um, like to go back to Lancer. I'll pull that up. Real yeah. Quick. Yeah. Like I have a, a GM sheet that has yeah. just enough information that if I already know how to run the game, like if I already know what a full tech is, then yeah. I have I have just the 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 hard like the the bare minimum of information to like help me get through running the game. But I and I the think that that's you might good. Forget. But again, yeah. there's no expectation that I would ever start with this sheet and just be able to not have read the book to get there. It would be wild. It would be wild, and it, it would be wild with with D and D. It would be wild for GURPS. It would be wild for Call of Cthulhu Vampire. All these games have quick reference sheets. Yeah. Um, but I do think that DBTA has somehow yeah. <laughs> ended so, up having, and I think that, that it's almost, that it's almost an oversupport. Yeah. That because PBTA frequently has really good support in the GM sheet compared to other games and like focused in that way. And like the, the player sheets, especially the basic moves, especially are like really well supported. 
then it seems like the book is fully um fully optional. Yeah. So if you are writing a PBTA game, I would never do that. Don't make a quick like don't make a GM sheet. Don't make a basic Oh move god, sheet. no. I like no, no. Just no. don't include it. Put them in the book, <laughs> make those make people read the book. If they want to write see... if they want to write all the basic moves down on a sheet of paper for themselves, they can do that. And don't make playbooks. Make a blank character sheet yeah. that you have to write dozens or hundreds of words for. Yeah. Uh, I played D&D 3.5 and I took Vow of Poverty and uh, I wrote down so many words on my character sheet. That's what sheet. people who play D&D you were t- you were tweeting you were tweeting <laughs> before we started recording this about uh, not reaching out to the D&D community to advertise your indie game. But like yeah. what D&D players like doing is going to a table in their book and copying rows and rows of information out of it. So unironically, yes, that's what players <laughs> that's what PBT games have robbed of players is by <laughs> by creating playbooks is we've robbed giving players the satisfaction of copying paragraphs and paragraphs and lines and lines of numbers onto a sheet of paper. We're, That's the thing we're that like T- using TTRPG a, players enjoy. We're both using like joking voices, <laughs> but I unironically do believe that. I, I actually sincerely with my whole chest do believe that the thing that the thing that makes D&D players really like D&D it's like is getting to look through a cool catalog full of tons and tons of cool things you can do and picking those things. It's window and shopping. It's the same reason that yeah. people like shopping. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like real shopping world is, shopping. Shopping is great. It's the same thing. And it's why people love a- to browse Amazon.com. Mm-hmm. I, I was talking with Elizabeth, um, uh, a friend, friend of the pod, uh, and she was talking about how like she's in a D&D group and they've got like a, uh, like a shopping episode coming up. And I was like, that the shopping episode is the quintessential D&D experience. Yeah. And if you don't like the shopping episode and you're playing like 3.5 or forward, maybe three and forward, then D&D is not the best game for you. Yeah. (laughs) That like that the experience of going and choosing things is a fun thing. And it's a thing that PBTA only kind of has like uh rap scallion's got a whole ton of choices on your sheet uh which is one of the reasons i'm really enthusiastic about it right now um but uh you know most PBTA games you ch- you make two or three mechanically important decisions on your playbook and that's it and like so that's awesome if you want to hit the table and run. No one in the world can fill out a fifth edition D&D character faster than the average person fills out a PBTA playbook. Yeah. You know, we, there, there's no one that quick. PBTA, <laughs> there's no Johnny P- Chestnuts of D&D. PBTA games robbed. So like, like if you think about, um, if you think about something like, um, actually, the, yeah. the the game show on Dimension Twenty, like the moments that people like the D and D moments that people think about are when Matt Mercer on Um Actually yeah. recalls the fifteen spells mm-hmm. 
that a that one variant of one sub creature can use in one specific edition of D and D, and yep. like I could tell you what I, I maybe I could tell you I can't, but I'm going to lie and say that I can. The six of course you can. Uh, the six abilities that are available to the Nova playbook in Mass. Yes, but like who cares? There's six of them. There's only There's six. Not, of them. <laughs> it's not. It's not. I didn't have to memorize. Of thirty thousand things, and then recall one piece of that, and so yeah. we have robbed nerds of their nerd experience by reducing the amount of things in our games. And like that's like this is this again. We're using joking voices. <laughs> we're, we are we are we are organizing these sentences as if they are jokes. Yeah. Um. And I don't know. Maybe you're joking. No. But no. like, I'm dead serious. Like, but I, but I do think that that is... gets to. It, it, I think, like, like I, I didn't read the whole thread. I just sort of saw it. But like, yeah, yeah. In in your Twitter thread of talking about, how, like, hey, maybe, maybe we shouldn't be advertising uh, to D and D players because yeah. they're not in it for the same thing that indie game players are. Because, like, yeah, the kind of like again, the kind of person who enjoys D and D is the kind of person who likes selecting a lot of options from a big catalog of things, and that's yeah. fundamentally not the game experience of playing <laughs> masks. And so and like and like masks is one that you're choosing more things like imagine yeah. car- comparing like D&D to like to, to our class. This is like the one that I always refer to anytime I'm referring to like a very story game story game like the 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 road to Linda's farm, um, which the road to Linda's farm like imagine trying to explain to somebody that those are the same kind of game. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like one of them you get like I think think a second section second sentence about who your character is i think it's first name last name occupation one to two sentences and it's like that is your entire character and then like D, it's like here are 45 books from this edition also if you need to pull anything <laughs> from 3.53 2 or 1 you can pull those also we'll just have to yeah, modify them a little bit give it a shot yeah, yeah. And yeah. I, I bet we can take anything from fourth edition and rework it a little bit and make it work. Like they're they are fundamentally different things. Yeah. And it's it, it's kind of it's kind of gets to that like you wouldn't you wouldn't advertise a rom com movie to someone who only watches like hardcore war like war films. Yeah, because because those are not the same genres and they're both good no. genres and people can <laughs> like both of them. But they're just like b- just because they're both movies doesn't mean that people would like both of them. It's like it's like, yeah, my uh, a, a theoretical dad, uh, not my dad, uh, but a theoretical dad as, as the, the archetype of dad that sits down and watches uh, eight hour long documentaries about uh, about World War Two. Yeah. Uh, if if you pitch <laughs> if you pitch them a rom com and are like this is the same thing, so it will be relevant to your interests. Yeah, like, and like maybe that's that an insane like, thing. Like, like like which isn't to say that that that, that theoretical dad couldn't also like rom coms because totally people be. can like different things. But yeah, making that sales pitch as though a rom com and a, a war <laughs> documentary are the same thing because yeah. they are one. It like they're both. They're both movies. One is just a little more fact focused and war focused, and one is a little more story focused. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, and that's it, crazy. It it would it'll take you a third of the time to get through it. Yeah, 
Yeah. It's like, you know, and this, this one's basically free. And that other up, one, you, spend, you bought you could, a DVD of it. You can buy a copy of 50 First Dates for like $7 at Walmart. But like yeah. the, the full DVD set of Band of Brothers is going to cost you like 60 bucks. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. We've gotten really, uh, we've gotten we got, a little bit off, really of, off of, uh, of, um, Training wheels. Okay. But yeah. Okay. Let me pull us back though. Let me pull us back though. And I think that is one of the reasons that story games don't necessarily, story games and, and more indie games, sort of games in general, PBTA games specifically, don't necessarily have those strong training wheels mm-hmm. is because we're looking to a D&D audience and we're looking to people that we know know how to read a game book mm-hmm. you know like because i i think uh there's a possibility that D players know how to consume a game book better than strictly ppta players yeah big strictly ppta players maybe aren't even picking up the book a lot of D players are are like you know looking at just the player section but if if like you know if you compare make the amount of work involved in making a D&D character to the amount of work involved making a PPTA character. It seems like PPTA is so easy that, that, that anyone should be able to get it. And so I think that we assume that PPTA is not people's first rodeo. We assume that people have played this game before. We assume that nobody is buying a PPTA game as their first game and running it for a group of players that it's also their first game. And I think that's wrong. Yeah. Uh, like how many, how many, how many PBTA games have a section at the top of their book that explains what a role playing game is? Oh my God. Well, I mean, all of them, <laughs> not all of them, but yeah, most I would of them, say, you know? I would say probably not as many though. Like doesn't masks. I don't think masks does. I don't know. Masks what? is in the other room. They because have baby LG found, uh, found quest and was obsessed with it. And now she's obsessed with superheroes also, so I had to show her show her Quest, masks. Quest has a section at the front of it that says, what is a what is a terrible a tabletop game? Here's how you do it. Masks yeah. has a section at the front that says, here is what masks is. Here's the kind yeah. of story you're going to tell. But it doesn't explain what a what a what a tabletop role-playing game is. It says I mean, I you'll you need, need to. dice. It it explains what this game is. Yeah, again, but, but again, it would be kind of weird if at the beginning of Band of, Band of Brothers and or Fifty First Dates, it was like, you're about to sit down and watch a movie. A movie is a thing where a bunch of people pretend to be other people. None of them are who they say they are. Right. But I, like it, it, it. But a lot of big games, a lot of traditional games do have those sections that yeah. say this is what a PBG. This is what a this is what a tabletop game is. You're going to imagine some things. And you're going to do that in a, uh, sitting around a table with your friends because they are advertising to people who are not playing tabletop games. Agreed. And PBTA games often come in with the assumption that you are advertising only to players of other tabletop games. Totally agree. And I don't know that that's a great assumption. I don't know. I don't know that it is either, especially when there are games that have mass market appeal. Yeah. That is unrelated to being a tabletop game. Like, if you. Hey, let's use examples that won't insult anybody because they're my games. No one in the world would play Radcrawl without having played 
other tabletop games. Right? Like, it is it is a game of it is a war game, skirmish battler game intended to to do D, basically. Uh no one is that is zero people's first game. Pasión de las Pasiones has mass market appeal that is not distinct to the tabletop game community. Uh it's like there are I know I know because I've run them. There's tons of people that this is their first game. There's tons mm-hmm. of people running the game that it's their first game. Like I was saying the thing about like, you know, most PBTA games are not a first time GM playing with just first time players. And that isn't true for Passion. That isn't true for a lot of other games that yeah. have genre appeal that isn't high fantasy. Like, you know what? A, a P- So a PBTA game that does have a are you new to RPGs? Here's what they are. They're imagining and telling stories together with your friends section. What? Avatar. Yeah. Yeah. Because Avatar's a great example. Because they knew they were going to be advertising that game to Avatar fans. Huge and amount of people in- bought that game that have not played a tabletop game. Yeah. And that's, um, that's good. I like that. And like, like I feel like the er example of this, like the greatest example of this is Dallas, the role playing game. Uh, <laughs> you mentioned which, that earlier. I wasn't sure if that was a joke. Is that a real thing? No, no, this is real. This is a real thing. This is a real thing. At the height of the um, American soap opera, Dallas, Dallas, the role playing game was God, released. This is real. It's real. Uh, it was there's a great episode of System Mastery about it pretty recently, actually. Um, and that game it does what you want it to do, James. It's it's the second, according to Wikipedia, it's the second ever licensed role playing game. I uh, I feel in my heart that can't possibly be true. With the first one being but Star also, Trek, also it was early Frontier. Was it before all of the Star Wars RPGs? It's That's so funny. When's oh the my first God, Star Wars it's RPG? so early. Yeah. Um, but amusingly, it does what you want it to do. First off, you use a roster of characters, uh, which like, you know, uh, with, with Yaziba's bed and breakfast around the corner, I think we're coming into the age of roster characters. Um, but uh, it lays out specific scenarios and tells you how to move from scenario to scenario. It's basically like it is it's it sounds like it's more of a board game than a role playing game in a lot Mm -hmm. of ways. But like it sets exactly what's going to go on, you know, and like it has like events that occur. Uh, It's basically got little modules for each of the episodes that you play. That's interesting. And I think think like i think taking that kind of concept is fruitful right that you go like this is what you're playing right now and just because we're story gaming and in, in the far-flung future of 2023 instead of going here are four dallas episodes you can play <laughs> you would be going here's how to set up a game here's how to run it scene by scene yeah now, now I'm gonna let go of the back of the bike. Yeah. Now, and now you can we, drive. Now we can take the the training wheels off. You know how to. You yeah. know how to Dallas. I'm gonna read yeah. you this quote from the. It's it's a review of the Dallas role playing game from issue 42 of the Space Gamer from 1981. Oh my um, god. And the and the, quote, the the reviewer says 
Is Dallas a useful bridge between your gaming and your real world friends? That might depend on how many Dallas freaks you know that you would want to introduce to gaming. <laughs> Hardcore RPGers will probably want to add the game to their collection. Characters, attributes, and the conflict resolution oh system God. are novel enough, even if you have no interest in the television series. I wouldn't suggest it, though, if you buy your games for long-term playability. Dallas just doesn't have lasting <laughs> entertainment value. How dare you? It had, like, hundreds of episodes. <laughs> but like A Dallas do-it-yourself kit. Like, I... <laughs> God, this it's, is so it's, wild. <laughs> it's so wild. Like, this exists. This existed. And like... Yeah, when you tire of the scripts in the box, you can rig up your own. It's a matter of shuffling and combining the formula. The possibilities are endless. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what I'm talking about. That's I want exactly what you're talking about. Have, you want to play Dallas. I want... I've never watched the Dallas TV show, but maybe I want to play the Me Dallas neither. role-playing game. It looks fun. <laughs> it should be, uh, it should be the, the next stop, hack, and roll AP. Yeah, is, is Dallas, but none of us have watched Dallas. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, that, that's the way to do it. <laughs> See what else did? It, this, it is such a rabbit hole. It is such a rabbit hole. I I have read the Dallas RPG, um, because I got a PDF of it back in the day. Uh, not because I'm a I'm not a Dallas fan. I've never watched Dallas. I just learned that it existed in like the early 2000s, and was like. I need, I need to read this. This is insane. Looks like the company that published it was consumed by TSR at some point during some mm-hmm. sort of a hostile takeover. I'm pretty sure most of TSR's takeovers were hostile. Um, but yeah, like I do think, I do think that there is a way. Uh, tying it back around, that is a smaller RPG with mm-hmm. a mass market appeal. Oh, well. A mass market audience. I don't know if I would say a mass market appeal <laughs> because my understanding is it did very poorly. Yeah, it had 16 um, pages, a 16 page rule of play book, a 16 mm-hmm. page scriptwriter's guide for the director, and then 56 cards of characters and organizations. Does that not sound like a story? Like yeah. a story game. Right? Like. Characters <laughs> include power, persuade. Okay, so their abilities are power, persuasion, coercion, seduction. investigation and luck yeah so it's so funny it's so funny that it exists somebody somebody please write dallas the role-playing game the television the television (laughs) role-playing game as a pbta game based off of this (laughs) traditional role-playing game i want to simulate the experience of playing (laughs) dallas the role-playing game without having to actually play or watch dallas (laughs) <laughs> would the playbooks be people's relationships to Dallas? Yeah. Or would yeah. the playbooks oh, yeah. be uh, the characters on Dallas? No, no, no. Your playbooks would be like the hardcore Dallas freak, <laughs> the, yeah, yeah, the yeah, yeah. war <laughs> gamer who just wants to play with their to, to relate to their to their their mother, uh, <laughs> the um, the person who just walked in, the person who uh, yeah. played other war games. The person who picked up uh, Star Trek The Adventure Gaming and is just a fan of licensed role-playing games. Um, <laughs> someone who is not who hasn't seen it, but is just a so-proper fan. <laughs> the dad who is in the room. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it's I think it has it's got potential, man. Dissembles the series and, and parcels it up as sociological poker. Yeah, yeah. That's a good it's, review. It's, 
It's honestly a weird little. It's a weird little That's artifact a review from and it's 2016. Who was reviewing this game in 2016? More people, more people should read Dallas. What a weird thing that you reached into the past and grabbed and pulled out to share this. I mean, James, it is. Yeah, I was going to say it's seven years later than that, and I'm referencing it. (laughs) But (laughs) all, all of that to say, I think you're right. And I think that there is a space for really fine tuned, really focused. Almost like the long example that PBTA games tend to have without the example. Mm -hmm. And so just like going like scene one, these two characters, whether it's like whether it's using a roster or using uh, using like, you know, just the playbooks um, or it says like, you know, for this for this run. Have four PCs with these playbooks. You know, I was going to say it, it kind of gets to the I just think in general games need to have more spelled out training systems for for GMs. Yeah, that yeah. GM systems sections of games tend to be more. Here are the mechanics of the game and how to run them, like how to make all the mechanics move and less yeah. about here's how to tell a story using this game. And they give you those written, (laughs) they give you those written examples, but not necessarily, they don't show, like a game, like any game that has a, a fictional narrative of like fictional players playing the game should include what the GM's prep for that section looked like, because that would be useful. Mm, Okay, I see. Because I was going to say, in in some ways, I do think that PBTA hues more towards teaching how to tell a story in a game yeah you know like then like more traditional games the games like you know like D, the gm's section has like you know 80 percent of the gm section is combat rules 15 percent is gods and five percent is hey maybe they should talk to a guard <laughs> yeah um versus like i think a lot of the ppta games do go like this is what this genre of story does. And by following these rules, moving using these moves, which like, you know, these moves for GMs are always like, you know, such a nebulous thing. It's essentially going make this event happen. Um I think that is more focused. Le- that I think that is less focused on like the mechanics and more focused on Yeah. So maybe I want maybe maybe what I want is actually PBT games to be more focused on the mechanics that they they tell you yeah. how to GM the game in a kind of fluffy story way, but not in the like here's how you use the mechanics to achieve those story things. What what I am what I'm looking at doing is trying to make a thing that you know we have PBTA quick starts. Quick starts still involve somebody sitting down and reading the thing ahead of time. Mm-hmm. and it usually will be like six pages of reading. But I think that there is a need for a packet that you print out and bring to a convention, read out loud, step-by-step step, like a module, and have the first X amount of time in your game kind of solved and checked off, you know? I wonder like I, I can I can run I can run pasiones pasiones 
in a two-hour Metatopia slot. Yeah. Uh, I do not think that the rules as written and the information in there allows any any random person to do that. I wonder if you And I think conventions are good for that. I wonder if you so like I think I think the 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 sort of playsets that Passion does are a good step towards this. But like one of the things that Lancer does as a way to introduce you as a to, to the, what is a very complicated strategic yeah. game system is it says as you start, like you start off at level zero and you will use this one mech. You will have maybe a couple choices, okay. but you will use this one mech. And then through that first mission, like, so this is jumping over to the player side, but even for the GMs, you're limited in the number of, of um, systems in the game that you're going to hit based off of like, like you're not going to have to deal with weird temporal uh, location stuff or like, the you're not going to have to necessarily deal with uh, uh, mechs being on fire because you probably don't have a flamethrower in that base set of, of stuff. So you're kind of like you're getting okay. used to yeah, the yeah. stuff. And then at level one and at level one, you start to get access to other weapons as you license into things. So then you expand the mechanics that you're doing. And then by level three or by. Yeah. So once you hit level two, then you get to uh, license into other mechs. And that's when you start to really sort of spread out and take different classes. And it would be it's kind of like yeah, yeah. if you had like one or two, like if you had if everybody started playing D&D as just a fighter and a, and a wizard and you chose one of those two things. Yeah. And then <laughs> specialized into the regular classes at level three. As a way of teaching you how to play D&D. And I wonder if. Yeah. Yeah. Like masks, I think could do that really well. Like if if they if it had a uh a, like a like a generic kid, he- well I, yeah like I don't know kid hero like a kid hero playbook where you played for your first yeah. mission and then did a playbook change and like right off the bat yeah after playing one session so to like really walk you through here's our here are some of the things like you start off with mm-hmm. um if you start off with adults have influence over you but you can't have influence over each other yet. And then only once you right, take your real playbook, still... then yeah, because you're still just trying to like, nobody knows who anyone is. You're just a masked hero fumbling around doing your yeah. first adventure and then slowly introduce you to the rest of the mechanics. Like I, I'm, I'm fascinated with games that have yeah. those kinds of, of uh, training wheels and how we can build kind of guided well, it's, it's play like a... experience. It's, it's almost like a, like a DCC funnel, right? Mm-hmm. Just uh, with like a different method of of approaching it, like like with the DCC funnel, it is training wheels because it is letting you know, like, hey, here you've got all these characters. Uh, look at how quickly they die, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And so, like, it's reminding you to take things slow. It's teaching you the mechanics of the game with you having very little to help yourself because the core mechanic of the game is thinking of the cool clever thing to do right and especially with games like like i feel like there's a way in which for story focused games like we, like that it would be easier because with lancer it's kind of like it it's a little bit boring that you play with the same mech like everyone plays the same mech yeah. for their first mission yeah but like with a very genre specific um like story game you could like like a lot of those a lot of those 
kid hero genre stories do start with like the kid hero comes along to the big mission with the with Batman yeah. and then meets like then like so like then that's when Robin meets kids Superman or whatever because they both were brought along yeah. as sidekicks and then they end up doing a thing on their own while the adult heroes go and so you could really have a preset mission that would make sense for most stories where everyone could play one of maybe one or two base playbooks and the GM would have a real like do this and then have these scenes and like here's a generic villain as part of this guided learning experience that then you would never have mm-hmm. to reproduce like you'd never do it again unless you had unless you were introducing new players yeah yeah and like that that like having that kind of an approach to it also lets you make sure that you've got the the skeleton that works to get you in the right place yeah you know like like in dcc you want a whole bunch of character death that's the point yeah in masks power pack edition (laughs) power pack is a terrible example because that's a really dark book but uh uh masks uh batman and batman and little buddies um you want like you can have batman there and have batman Mm -hmm. doing some things and like get have like a single session that hey if things go bad you know that the batman is right there to pull you out of the fire every single time you're you're not going to end up with a horrible consequence you didn't anticipate because you've got bat dad there and to kind of tie it into the stuff we talked about in the middle of this episode that was a little bit off topic, like that gets down to knowing who your audience is, because yeah. if you are writing like uh, a lyric game that uh, you're that the core audience is people who've been playing tabletop games all their life and are really deeply ingrained in the kind of indies in indie scene, like you don't need to yeah. have the. What is it? What is a role playing game chapter of your book? You don't need the learned ex- like the guided learning experience. But if you're making Avatar, the last airbender role playing game, it might be useful because your audience is people who maybe don't know how to do that. It's in Target. Like yeah, randos wild. are walking down the, the aisle. It's, it is wild. I, uh, but like people are going down the aisle and seeing, oh, there's that show that I like. Mm hmm. And picking it up like it's like it's like any huge licensed game. Like, I think that that D&D is most people's introduction to tabletop games. And apart from knowing someone who's super like independent introduction, right? Like, uh, like true introduction, not like I have a friend who set me up and they went on their journey. Like, but like when a person first hits it, right, it's either going to be in all likelihood D&D, they personally know the designer or a licensed game of some kind because they're super into that licensed game. Yeah. And so like some lesser extent, Dallas. like they just love Dallas. There are people in this world who have played one tabletop game and that tabletop game was Dallas. Oh God, I want to meet that person. Are there people in this world who have played one game and it's I don't know. Uh, Monster Hearts. Yeah. Not, probably, but probably, probably they were friends some, like, with someone who was into fr- it already. Exactly. Yeah. And like Monster Hearts is huge. It's a huge tabletop game. Yeah. They they probably didn't get. They probably you probably don't discover it unless you are connected to someone 
who knows tabletop games already. And yeah. that, that's why that's one of the reasons that like that. I think there is a lot of opportunity to be had. By like looking into these genre spaces that do exist. Like, yeah. Imagine if if TikTok existed when Monster Hearts came out and was like the oh, yeah. biggest freaking yeah, yeah. thing in the tabletop sphere. Book Talk would have been infected with Monster Hearts. It would have been, been great. <laughs> I do think that it is a it's a side effect of the language that we use to divide tabletop games being focused on the mechanical systems and not the yeah. genre of storytelling. Yeah, definitely. But anyway, at the beginning of this episode, I think we said it was going to be a multi-topic episode, and, and maybe we hit some multiple topics. It was. We hit, um, we hit multiple topics. It wasn't the multiple we topics to we planned, about. though. Um, <laughs> we ended up, yeah, it was just t- uh, training wheels and to Dallas. Um, <laughs> but I do, th- I do think it is time for us to wrap up this episode. Um, yes, I think so. So if you are out there, uh, per- if, 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 if you are the, if you the, are the, the unicorn of a human being, who has only played the Dallas role-playing game, and also you listen to this podcast. Listen to this. Please reach that, out to us. Oh, my God. That would, person want, can't exist, but I want you to yes. so badly. If you are that person. I will them into existence. And you are also still on Twitter. Reach out to us <laughs> at Stop, Pack, and Roll. Or individually, I am at In the Meltdowns. <laughs> this is one person is like, oh, no, I swapped over to Mastodon. Can't contact them. And I'm... <laughs> I'm at V Leon Gambetta. Uh, you can find our podcast and a little bit of what we're working at www.stopbackandroll.com or uh, uh, DallasTheRoleplayingGame.gov. <laughs> we make this podcast with the support of our Patreon backers, folks like Nariz Roja, Jimmy Rogers, Megan Cross, Jason Detman, The Flying Minotaur, Devin Preston, Taylor Lebrecht, Osbian, Michael Bowman, and J.R. Brabson. If you'd like to support the show and any of our future shows, uh, check us out on patreon.com slash stop, hack, and roll. If you would like to uh, help us out in a non-monetary way, come uh, come join our community. Come hang out with us. Talk about Dallas. Talk about the... the <laughs> yeah, we have a, a TV if you could, channel. If you, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Where we, which we'll be renaming Dallas tonight. Yeah. Um, uh, you can find that Discord at uh, tinyurl.com slash shrdiscord. Or another one. I used to know both those Dis- links. Well, I don't the other know one what is discord.stopbackandroll.com. And I'm not convinced okay. that that one works anymore. Oh, okay, good. That's I why I broke. intentionally left it off. Yeah. As you're sitting down to rewatch your favorite episodes of Dallas continually and asking yourself, who did shoot JR? Don't forget to stop, hack, and roll. <laughs> <laughs>